Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Today's Friday, June 5th, 2020. Coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Job numbers are out. Donald Trump is ecstatic. Oh, but we go inside the numbers, and it's nothing to celebrate for black folks. Civil rights groups are suing the Trump administration on behalf of Black Lives Matter. We'll talk to Christian Clark, Laws Committee for Civil Rights Under Law. Why is Senator Rand Paul holding up an anti-lynching bill that Senator Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, as well as Senator Tim Scott are sponsoring? Harris and Booker are upset. Why is Scott so quiet? A Georgia judge ruled that the three men charged with Ahmaud Arbery's death will stand trial for murder. Also, the mayor of Somerville, Massachusetts, says that systemic racism is a public safety and a health emergency. In Detroit, actually in Dallas, a well-known boutique was destroyed in the riot, in the riots there. We'll talk with the owner. Also, Buffalo police, two officers resigned because, yeah, yeah, after they were suspended for pushing a 75-year-old man during the protest who hit his head and began to bleed, 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 bleed out his ear. Also, Mayor Muriel Bowser of D.C., oh, she has a big statement about Black Lives Matter for Donald Trump. And, of course, that grifter Candace Owens, people keep saying we should ignore her. But Vice President Mike Pence invited her to the White House yesterday. I'll explain why you should never ignore grifters like her. It's time to bring the funk. I'm rolling Mark on the filter. Let's go. He's got a 
All right, folks, the job market unexpectedly reversed its freefall in May as employers brought back millions of workers after the pandemic-induced layoffs. The unemployment rate fell, from 13, fell to 13.3% from 14.7% in April, but still remains higher than in any previous post-war recessions. And, oh, did Donald Trump run outside real quick to gloat. Job openings remain far below normal, and the story for black unemployment is even more dire. The overall black unemployment rate for black folks is 16.8%. For black men, it is 16%. For black women, it's 17.5%. All right, folks, now play the video. But this is outstanding what's happened today. Now, they thought the number would be a loss of 9 million jobs, and it was a gain of almost 3 million jobs. Nobody's ever seen anything. I think it was... Incredible in a couple of ways. Number one, the numbers are great. And this leads us on to a long period of growth. We'll have the greatest. We'll go back to having the greatest economy anywhere in the world. Nothing close. And I think we're going to have a very good upcoming few months. I think you're going to have a very good August, very good July, but a spectacular, maybe spectacular September, but a spectacular October, November, December, and next year is going to be one of the best years we've ever had economically. Like I said, Team Trump is just so excited. They sent out this uh, press release uh, touting, uh, saying this is bad news for Joe Biden. They're trying to spin the black numbers. Paris Denard sent the email out, and uh, I said, dude, it's real. he said, well, they didn't go up in a large number. I said, no, did the black unemployment rate go up? Yes or no? He refused to answer the question. The answer is it did. Joining us right now, Binga Ajalore, senior economist at the Center for American Progress, Christian Brody, dean of the College of Business at Dillard University, and Dr. William Spriggs, economist at Howard University. Uh, Bill, we'll start with you. Uh, again, the White House wants to do their best to spin these numbers. Can they spin their way out of what this means for black people? They can't spend their way out of what it means for black people because our unemployment rate went up. Uh, I mean, you know, the little silver lining is last month we set a record for the low of the share of black men holding a job. And so we inched up a little bit from that. And black women have fallen below half black women having a job. Now it's a little bit above that. It's at 50%. I mean, that's... That's that's the best thing, spin they can do. But for the economy as a whole, uh, as you said, we're still at a record level of unemployment. And and more importantly, if we do this pace, we're still going to get to November and not have erased the 20 million jobs we lost in March and April, which, by the way, they revised downwards. So we actually lost more jobs than what had previously been reported. So... This is not the pace to get us back to where we were by November, if that's what he's hoping. Christian, they swear things are wonderful. They swear things are great. Again, and, and look, Donald Trump desperately wants to run on the economy. He wants to give the impression that he's the savior of black people. He tweeted the other day that no president, possibly with the exception of Lincoln, has done more for black people. He keeps touting the number. But here's the problem. The black unemployment rate started going up last year. So as I look at 
at the numbers, if I go back to May of 2019, for black people, it was 5.9% compared to 3% for white people. That's not a wonderful thing for us. And if you look at March, the number was 6.7%, April, 16.7%, and then slightly up to 16.8%. It was going down for others coming from April into May for everyone except for us. How can that possibly be a wonderful thing for black people? especially for um, those who are 16 to 19, um, where the rate is 34.9%. It's only higher for Hispanics at 37.4%. That's not a wonderful thing for us. Benga, bottom line is this here. Again, uh, the White House, they're out there touting, oh, we're going to have an incredible um, in the second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter. We're going to have huge growth, explosive growth. Should there be drug tests at the White House? The biggest thing that they're missing is that the whole reason why we're in this mess is that we are in the midst of a public health crisis. And even today, we're still seeing higher cases of COVID. We're seeing higher rates of death. And so we reopened the economy and then you think have another break, have a second wave, things like that. If that's going to happen, that's going to tank the economy again. So we can't talk about the second quarter, third quarter, end of the year without talking about the COVID crisis. But Benga, also, again, they, they, they keep trying to, trying to spin us on just how great and wonderful this is for black folks, as if the black unemployment isn't double that of whites anyway. And so this is something that we've seen throughout all of history, that through good economies, poor economy, has always been double the rate. And in fact, the only time it got really low was last month, where it was about 1.2 to rate. But the reason why is because the white rate had gone up so high. And then the other thing that we haven't talking about is the essential jobs. A lot of these essential jobs are disproportionately African-American, but these are low-paying jobs with no benefits, and they're on the front line of the getting risk of the COVID crisis. And so, but then this month, it actually started to jump back up again from 1.2 to 1.35. So it's actually getting worse for African-Americans when you look at it relatively. And that's the thing that's important, Bill, to understand these numbers. It's very easy to spin numbers any way you want to, but too often, mainstream media is not really focused on what this means for African-Americans. And so when Trump says, oh, I'm just doing amazing for black people, folks just run with it as opposed to going under the hood. Well, right. And the danger in the numbers, we lost another 400,000 jobs in local government. And black people are overrepresented in state and local government. This is another sign that state and local governments don't have enough money to make it to the end of the year. They're making budgets for next year, and because they have to balance their budgets, they're already planning austerity. They're already figuring out how can we cut back so we don't run a deficit next year. Next year meaning their next fiscal year, which means this fall. So what we're having is that in the fall, because the Senate Republicans refused to do anything with the House-passed HEROES Act. We're not going to get enough money to state and local governments to protect the investment in state and local infrastructure. And most importantly, these cuts to the infrastructure of education means it's going to be almost impossible to open schools in the fall. And if we don't open schools in the fall, it's going to be impossible to get women back into the labor force. Uh, Christian, I'm sitting here. Ras Rasmussen just dropped uh, their daily presidential tracking poll shows blacks' likely voter approval of the job Donald Trump is now over 40 percent. 
who the hell are they talking to? I'm not really sure who the black people are that approve of Donald Trump's job. Um, I, I can't imagine who they are. Again, looking at the numbers that I'm seeing um, with these unemployment rates, I can't imagine who they are. It's, it's no one that I know. I, I can't imagine. Uh, Bingo, this, this, this is what jumps out again. Uh, he kept talking at today's news conference about the greatest thing for black folks is the economy. Um, folks, do y'all have that clip where he was even asked uh, about it? Uh, if y'all have it, let me know uh, so, we can so we can play it. But, Benga, it it's, again, he, Trump, Donald Trump has this idea that uh, because the stock market is doing great, things are wonderful for black people. Does he pay any attention to the home ownership rate? Is he paying any attention to the wealth inequality gap? And he stood up there today touting what he's done for HBCUs. But isn't the fact also that a black college graduate is still making less than a white high school graduate? It is. We see so many disparities across the education scale. And there's so many reasons why, you know, we, we even start to talk about wealth and the wealth gap and how that's gotten worse. And also how from the Great Recession, African-Americans have not been able to recover. It took 11 years for unemployment rates to drop to, you know, 5.5%, as Dr. Brody was mentioning. And it's one of those things where at every level, there's always going to be disparities and disparities don't close. And so when he talks about this, the great for African-Americans, he's just, he, I don't want to use this phrase, but he's basically, he's, he's lying. I'll just leave it at that. He's lying. Benga, uh, understand, this ain't mainstream media. Uh, we can say lie. Well, and so the, I mean, the problem is... The, no, here's, mm -hmm. a, here's why we got to go ahead and say it. Because misrepresents, misstating. No. Lying is lying. When you're making it up, you're making it up. And so I was one of the first folks on mainstream to say he was a liar. Uh, everybody else was trying to dance around it. No. Liar's a liar. Definitely. Well, but I'll let you say something worse. Hold on, Kristen, one second. Bing up, then Kristen, go ahead. I was just going to say that. I was going to say something worse than that. But the problem is that he's just, he's talking nonsense. And that's a problem that the media runs with it, that it doesn't make any sense and that none of the numbers are good. Even if we don't even talk about African-Americans, 13.3% unemployment is something that we haven't seen since the Great Depression. That's a horrible number. Nothing to celebrate. And he literally stood there today and said... Matter of fact, hold, Kristen, before you go, play what he said about HBCUs. Go ahead. Vulnerable areas of America is going to be my focus. It's going to be a big focus because it's taking care of itself, but we have to help that very vulnerable area. They're vulnerable. It's not right, and we're helping them, and we have helped them in the past. There were also opportunity zones, criminal justice reform. Nobody's ever done for the black community, what President Trump has done. Think of it. Historically, black, small colleges and universities, they would come here for money every year, every year for many, many years. After three years, I said, why are you doing this? Why do you keep coming here? They said, because we come. I said, don't you give, get a long-term deal so you don't have to come? The head of one of the very respected colleges looked at me and said, sir, we're like beggars. Every year we have to come to Washington and beg for money. I said, you should have a long-term deal. And we signed a long-term deal so they don't have to come. I'll miss them. I told him I'll miss them. I got to know them. But the first year, I didn't think anything of it. The second year, I said, that's strange. Why are you here? And then the third year, not so long ago, same people, the heads of the historically black 
small colleges and universities, 44 people, maybe a little more than that, a little less than that sometimes. But after three years, I said, what are you doing? They said, the past administration did nothing for us. The administration before that did nothing for that. So I'm going to do it. So we did the Opportunity Zones with Senator Tim Scott, who's been fantastic. And by the way, it's one of the great unknowns because the Opportunity Zones, you don't talk about it. It's one of the most incredible success stories ever in terms of the inner cities and in terms of uh, black and Hispanic and Asian unemployment. Opportunity Zones, you ought to do some stories about Opportunity Zones. Billions and billions of dollars of private money is, are being invested and putting people to work and getting money that they've never made before. So it's been really a terrific thing. It's I think the appropriate phrase Christian is called, that's that bullshit right there. So I, I just want to say that on March 27th, um, President Trump did sign into law the CARES Act, which provided $2 trillion. Of that, um, $14.3 billion went to higher education, 10% of that to HBCUs. So I, I will say that. But at the same time, you have to think about what the discrepancy is. And when you think about the fact that 75.4% of first-time, full-time undergraduates at HBCUs were awarded Pell Grants versus 43.2% at PWI, right? So that, that's a measure of income inequality. And so more is definitely needed, right? I, I, I will admit that, yes, he did give the money, but certainly more is, is needed. Well, let's just be clear, Bill. Congress passed the bill. He signed it. Thank you. The credit goes to Congressman Bobby Scott, who chairs the House Ed and Labor Committee. And yes, he agreed to sign it. That's what happened here. And so when you hear him also be able to stand there and talk about, oh, opportunity zones, I I'm still trying to wait for the data to show what that has actually done. I haven't seen anything. You? It's like his claims about drugs that can cure COVID. And, you know, he says he takes one of them. So, I mean, we we rarely see true positive outcomes from that type of experiment because you're sort of moving the chess pieces around to avoid paying taxes. And, and so it's very hard to find meaningful outcomes from that. And Benga, he said, the problem is just going to fix itself. No, the reason why we have good numbers now is because of the CARES Act and because of all the lobbying and the work by activists and uh, think tank people and, you know, policymakers. But I want to go back to the point about Opportunity Zones because I've been writing about that for the last two years. And so it, what he said made no sense because the program is actually not in place yet, that it doesn't actually really start until, would start until 2021. So there's no way that it can actually be working or anything like that. But the other problem is this is money going to rich people because you have to have capital gains to invest in places. And so he talked about inner cities, but there's a lot of disadvantaged communities and rural communities all throughout. And so we just, again, talking nonsense. And that's why we call them out. Folks, I appreciate it. I don't think uh, there's been a time on mainstream media where three black economists were all together talking at the same time. That's what happens when you own your own show. Folks, I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Thank Roland. All right. Uh, <laughs> folks, this is it's crazy, okay? so. I'm going to deal with our panel in a second. But let me deal with this. First of all, I'm going to go ahead and deal with this. Do y'all realize at today's news conference, this idiot actually said this about George Floyd? 
Watch this. We can't let that happen. Hopefully, George is looking down right now and saying, there's a great thing that's happening for our country. There's a great day for him. It's a great day for everybody. Today's jobs report was a great day for George Floyd. And hopefully he's looking down on us. Kristen Clark leads the Laws Committee for Civil Rights and Other Laws. She joins us right now. Kristen, clearly, what do you say to such stupidity? You know, this is a dark, dark moment. We have President of the United States and Attorney General Barr himself issuing uh, the order to deploy peaceful demonstrators by using force, by using the park police, by using the Secret Service, by firing tear gas, using chemical agent, agents, using batons. Um, people out there were hurt, actually. Um, as people were peacefully assembled in front of St. John's Church, Attorney General issues the order. Attorney General Barr issues the order. Those people have to be deployed now. Um, people were shocked. There were kids out there. Uh, there were old people out there. There were religious people out there. There were black, white, brown people out there. You had the park police. You had Secret Service. You had the National Guard. Um, it's uh, it was horrible. And so uh, what we've done at the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights Under Laws, we've said enough is enough. We know what this is about. We saw this in Selma, Alabama, when peaceful demonstrators were marching across the Edmund Pettus Bridge, and they were met with state-sponsored violence when they got on the other side. Here we are in 2020 dealing with the same thing. So last night, we filed a suit in federal district court here in Washington, D.C., on behalf of the D.C. chapter of Black Lives Matter. The case caption is Black Lives Matter D.C. versus Trump. Other named defendants include Attorney General Barr, an esper, uh, and a slew of government officials who violated the Constitution by using state-sanctioned violence to, uh, to, to attack peacefully assembled demonstrators. And what we plan to do, as people all across our country are out protesting and demonstrating and expressing grief about the death of George Floyd, crying out for reform, crying out for police reform now, is we're going to stand by them. And we're going to use the courts to make clear that they have a right to be out there. And that right comes from the First Amendment of the Constitution, which says you have the right to free speech and the right to assembly. And here's the interesting thing about President Trump. He believes in the First Amendment. He does. He believes in the First Amendment when you're talking about gun-toting activists who are taking siege of government buildings. He believes in the First Amendment when you're talking about extremists who are trying to go and speak on campuses. He believes in the First Amendment when you're talking about hate mongers in Charlottesville. He believes in the First Amendment when you're talking about churches that are trying to defy state, ordered, uh, state orders to stay home. But he doesn't believe in the First Amendment when people are out talking about racial justice and police violence and issues that he doesn't agree with. And, and that's not right. It violates the Constitution. And so we're fighting back. 
Uh, and again, what we're seeing is we're seeing uh, this use of force, this battle with the D.C. mayor uh, in terms of folks being in the nation's capital. And what we're also seeing is vicious attacks, Christian, by cops all across this country. I mean, I've seen video from Buffalo, Philadelphia, New York, Los Angeles. It is as if uh, the viciousness that we talk about has been unleashed on black folks. White folks are getting beat like crazy out there, too. These cops, they are operating as if they have absolutely no, um, you know, no, no remorse, nothing. They're just, we're just going to swing away. Yeah. We, um, by now, many people have seen the video of the elderly man in Buffalo who was pushed down, uh, bleeding out of his ears and the back of his head. And we now understand that all of the officers have apparently resigned because uh, of discipline that was imposed on the officer who did the pushing. They are standing unified. And here's the thing. That raises one big issue that we're going to have to address as we now engage in this national debate about police reform. What do we do about police unions? And what do we do about the culture inside of police unions and these collective bargaining agreements that are so often an obstacle to reform and so often hamstrung people from putting in place that putting in place the reforms that you need to transform a police department? We know what we need. We need a ban on chokeholds. We need a ban on racial profiling. We need to create a national database where we can track the misconduct of police officers and make it impossible for them to get purged uh, one day and then rehired the next over here. We need a national standard on use of force. We need to ban the use of federal money to bring in militarized equipment. We know the reforms that are needed, but one big obstacle will be uh, the police reforms. And also, how do we change the culture inside of police departments? So many police officers operate from this warrior mentality. It is a war. Put on your riot gear, get your billy club out, get your, your tear gas. When actually, if you had a different mentality and saw yourself as a guardian of the people, as a community builder, we wouldn't have the tensions and conflicts that we're seeing. And we saw that last weekend play out. Camden, New Jersey, Flint, Michigan, the officers who chose to march side by side with demonstrators and said, I'm with you, I'm not against you. The dynamics were totally different. And in the places where people came out with their, with their tanks and the riot gear, it, you know, the tension levels just rose dramatically. It's gonna be a long road to reform but we know what we need to do to get the job done. But for right now, the demonstrators and the protesters are playing an important part because they're shining a bright light on the issue and they're making it impossible for you to turn the channel and move on to something else. This issue is here to stay. It is front and center and it is not going away. And at the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights Under Law, we are going to stand up right now for those who are choosing to protest in the streets, exercising their First Amendment rights. Kristen Clark, Lawrence Committee for Civil Rights Under Law. We appreciate it. What's the website where people can support uh, the work y'all do? Um, please visit www.lawyerscommittee.org. Lawyerscommittee.org. Hit the donate button. Thank you for standing with us. I uh, appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Folks, here's a Buffalo video that Christian was referencing uh, where initially the two cops were suspended 
They've now quit. Watch this. No, folks, wrong video. That's wrong video. That's the wrong video. Please, that's the Black Lives Matter video. I need the Buffalo video. It's crazy. The man literally was bleeding out of his ears. Huh. Yeah. Here's what actually happened. An entire unit of the Buffalo Police Department resigned from their assignments today because two of the officers were suspended. man was 75 years old. Let's go to our panel right now, break this thing down. Dr. Wendy Osefo, she's professor and political commentator, Derek Holly, president, Reaching America uh, podcast, and political analyst, Rob Richardson, host, Disruption Now podcast. Wendy, I'll start with you. This goes to show you how shameful these cops are. They're so pissed that two got suspended. Whole unit said, we're done. We're done. I say good riddance. I say good riddance, and I say that there are 57 jobs now available, okay, in Buffalo. That's that's what I say. But this shows you that ingrained system of corruption that is in the police force that we see wrong. We see an elderly gentleman getting pushed. Not only did we see him get pushed, but we also see that they initially lied about it and said that he tripped and fell. So, but for this video, we wouldn't have known the truth. Secondly, once the individuals are reprimanded for their actions, now the brotherhood of police officers are saying, you know what, we're going to stand behind our fellow officer for doing wrong. This is the same mentality that they use when they stand behind their fellow officers when they watch them kill people. This is the same mentality that was used when those other officers watched Chauvin choke and kill George Floyd, and none of them, none of them stopped him. It is a mentality. It is a system. And while we are looking to persecute and get a conviction, we have to understand that convictions are one thing, but we have to change the system and the culture of the police force. Uh, Derek, first of all, this is, they did not quit the force. They resigned from the this elite unit, the Buffalo Police Department Emergency Response Team. L listen to the uh, the person, uh, the President Association. Fifty-seven resigned in disgust because of the treatment of two of their members, who were simply executing orders. That's B Buffalo Police Benevolent Association President John Evans. Derek. Yeah. So, okay, with a delayed response. So, I hear you on that, Roland, and, you know, I hear everything that the doctor said, too. Uh, there is a, uh, a, a, a mentality that is within all the police departments. And everything these people do, is, 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 you, can't, you, can't, you can't condone it. But at the same time, Roland, you can't—every police officer out there, you got to 
there's thousands of them that's, that's doing their job. Now, let me just say, stuff that just went on with, with, uh, with, with the Floyd and all that kind of stuff, and the, the reason why we're protesting, it was long overdue. But at the same time, I've seen some of these videos that I've watched locally, and by the time it makes headline news, it's been altered right here in Washington, D.C. And so when these people tell you to push, get back, get back, or get your butt off the street at 7 o'clock, then you need to be off the streets at 7 o'clock. Period. So you so very interesting. Before I go to you, Rob, you talk about all oh, so many who are doing their job. Uh Chris Rock sort of spoke to this. Guys, play this, please. Come on. That's you take it out of context. No, no, no. No, I no, I didn't. No, I, I you're took completely it. out of context, bro. No, that no, right no, there no, there, there, there. That's exactly what you were saying. Rob, no, Rob is speaking. Saying, Rob is speaking. Rob is speaking. Rob, go ahead. You can't tell me what I was hold saying. Hold on, hold on one second. Rob is speaking. You know, when you look at this, when you get bad apples, the problem is the bad apples tend to be the loudest and, and they don't get checked. Hold tight one so, second. Hold up, Rob, 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 Rob. I need you to pull that microphone a little closer because it sounds right, like you, you, you sound like you're far away. That's better. Go. All right, no problem. So, see, the, the, the issue is that uh, the bad apples don't get checked and they take over the culture. Look at that video from Buffalo. And the fact is, there was one guy that was trying to help them and they pushed him forward. And now they all resigned because they were held accountable. Like, if, if we don't hold the bad apples accountable, if they're not brought to justice, which they're usually 99% of the time or not, then it becomes part of the culture. And what people are, are, are seeing right now all across the country is what black communities have been dealing with forever. You, you, have, you have a police state that feels like it's at war with the community. It, it, it seems that way sometimes. And, and I'm going to really push back on what Derek said. Listen, I actually compare when people say, you know, we need to be more compliant. Of course, people need to follow the rules. But that's not the issue. That's like saying, it's like blaming women for getting raped for what they wear. At the end no, of the day, there's no, no, there is not. no perfect no, it's not. no it's Hold not. on a second. No, Hold not. on a second. There is nothing no, not. like a black no, man can do everything right. He can, not, he can whatever, no, not. supposedly right, no, not be wearing a hoodie, follow all the rules, tell the officers what he's doing, and he still ends up dead. We need to actually reform the system and not always blame women. I'll give an example. I'll give an example. When you talk about in terms of, well, you talk about where we are with what's going on out here. Um, the Atlanta Police Department released the body cam footage that took place on Friday when the cops snatched these two black kids, Morehouse and Spellman, out of their car. Out of control. No, no. Pre press play. Open the window. Open the window. Open 
The Atlanta chief, Derek, says that the charges filed against them are political. No, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that at all. Uh, the, the charges that were filed against them were, were very warranted in this particular situation, absolutely. I mean, th th this, this, this is the deal. When we say there are few bad apples, somebody can die because of That's the right. actions of one of them. Death is yeah. death. They they they, have, they, 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 they may I get fired. They, they, that, they, they may get fired. They may go to jail. They're still living. And the and, and, the, and, and the problem I have, the problem I have is that we have to deal with these folks who are screwing things up and Absolutely. And, and and I just think a lot of times there are far too many excuses being made and see and they're so sensitive they don't want any criticism. They don't want anybody checking them. Okay, they made Cuomo apologize. You got all um, politicians bending over backwards. Oh my God, you don't know. But, I mean, they are the most sensitive ass snowflakes I think out there. Agreed. Wendy, there has to be yeah. level of changes, and I think again, what the George Floyd murder is revealing is going to be. This is not going away. This Absolutely. is not going away. I, I, no, I, I mean, you said it. And, and to be quite honest with you, as I'm watching that video, when they start tasing that young man, they're tasing him. And while they're tasing him, they're telling him where to put his hands as if he's reaching for something. And, and it's just a setup. How are you tasing somebody? They're going through something traumatic, and now you're giving them a set of directions and expecting them to listen to that set of directions. And as you said, it's life or death. If he could have moved his hand, they could have screamed, gun. Yes, yeah. he doesn't have one, but by the time we realize he doesn't have one, that black man's life is gone. And this yeah. is the issue. The issue is we have to understand that this whole narrative of a couple bad apples, it can no longer fly because it's an excuse. It's an excuse for there to be this type of roguery in the police department. It's no longer acceptable to have bad apples. My sister is a surgeon. You cannot tell her, her colleagues, that they're just a few bad apples. Those are people's lives that they are working on. So I think we need to up the standards of police officers, up our expectations of police officers, and we need to redefine what community policing really is, because right now, that does not exist. And, um, there, it's that, it's that last part I agree with a lot. Go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead, Rob. Go ahead. No, it's the last part I agree with a lot. So the, the, the issue is we have to change the culture of policing in this country to be all oriented towards community policing, not, not, not seeing themselves as an occupying force, which is how sometimes police act. And that's a problem. It's a cultural problem. So the problem is the bad actors get empowered to do bad things if you don't have a culture that's centered on community policing instead of just having this approach that it's us against the people. That's the problem. And, of course, uh, the uh, Minneapolis Police Department they have agreed to ban the use of chokeholds by police. Ooh. This, 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 I mean, to me, that's... It was some... in the policy before. Yeah, you're right. It was part of the policy. It's That's kind of basic, Derek. Yep. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, but as we go back and start talking about what's going on, it's the police union. There was an article in the, in the New York Post 
where it talks about George Floyd had a violent criminal history. And so a lot of these people, even this, this union, they're trying to justify what happened. You got a lot of white people trying to justify still what happened. And at the end of the day, regardless of what, his, what was in his criminal past or history was or what's not, it does not give that officer the right to be the judge, the jury, and executioner. And so I, I, that's why I'm like, you can't, when you were talking about the police earlier, man, I'm not with them with all this crap that they're doing. But at the same time, we still got to have police have law and order. And there ain't no room for no bad apples. But one of these bamboos do something wrong, your ass got to go. It shouldn't be no second chances. But the thing about it, these police unions, as soon as they have an issue, go see your FOP, go see your police union officer, because they know how strong that force is, that union is, and more than likely it's going to get them off. So when we start talking about, you know, all the things that we need to do to change, the change has got to come at these police unions because they have too much power. And then these elected officials who all of a sudden, when it comes down to, oh, I got the support of the police union. I got the support of the police. I got endorsed by the union. But you know what? That's the person we need to stay away from. Because well, if you got endorsed by them, then you're probably going to be in their pocket well, when it comes to election day. Well, well in fact, uh, the problem, those same unions are pissed off with Joe Biden right now. Angry with his comments, saying, you know, oh, he's been a back of law enforcement in the past. Now, and I'm like, you know what? And I, I tweeted last night, I said, hey, if, if Joe Biden loses the support of police unions, uh, then his vote total should go up. He's not going to have the, the, the support. They're going to be with Trump for sure anyway. And I'll just say this. Uh, half the time, the FOP doesn't consider themselves to be a union unless unions come under attack. But most of the time, they consider themselves separate. And so um, uh, I actually agree that they do have too much power and people need to stand up to them. And uh, th there, there needs to be more accountability. I mean, I have no disagreement with that. Folks, one thing I want to talk about is what's happening um, um, uh, and I'm, I'm going to get more detail uh, next week. Am I the only one pissed off with a lot of these sorry-ass corporations dropping their little statements, how they stand with black people, yet a lot of them got no black executives, no black board members. Uh, they don't have, uh, like, no supply uh, diversity. Uh, it's like, so don't come up here all of a sudden uh, trying to pimp black people. Uh, and because it, it's forcing folks to come to reckon with who they are. For instance, um, uh, the guy who is the, the founder of, right here, of Reddit, uh, Alexis Ohanian, uh, who is the husband of Serena Williams, he resigned from Reddit and said he is going to ask fellow board members to replace him with a black candidate. Now, I appreciate that, but... He was tired of doing the job. But how you go to, <laughs> how you go this long, Wendy, and not have anybody black on your board? You know, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, so I, mean look, I mean, I can't. I mean, this I'm sorry. I can't. I, I can't say yay. Right, right, right. It, it, it's 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 weird, right? Because it's like all these people are coming out with these statements about diversity and the importance of black lives. But the truth of the matter is, don't send me an email about your thought process or your philosophy. I want to see not just how many black people on your board. I want to see how many black people hold executive positions. And I want to see your retention of your black employees. Because so many times we focus on the issue of diversity. But diversity is really not the issue. It's inclusion. Because how do black people feel that work for you? Do they feel included? 
That's what I want to see. So don't tell me that you support Black Lives Matter when the truth of the matter is the Black lives that work for you don't think that they matter. So let's get in line and let's stay on message. And the message is let's be inclusive of Black people and not just tolerate Black people. Uh, I'll give an example here, uh, uh, Derek. Uh, go to my iPad. The, the editor-in-chief of Variety, Claudia Eller, to take two-month administrative leave after social media outbursts. She wrote, she wrote a column talking about diversity, uh, and this Asian woman uh, hit her back saying, well, hell, I wish you gave a damn about diversity when I worked there. You've been a part of the problem all these years. And, and then, and so, uh, Ella took, took, took umbrage, clapped back at her, the woman came back. Then they had a, sta they had a staff meeting, they had a staff meeting uh, showing, the staff meeting showing uh, what people then commented about her treatment of others. She started crying, and then Jay, Jay Pinsky, the, the CEO, says it's time to step back. I mean, it's a whole bunch of folks being revealed right now. That's mm. exactly right. Celebrities included. And, Sorry, and, just had to say everybody. that. And everybody. And, and Floyd, and like I said, what happened with Floyd, man, it ignited what needed to be sparked in this country for a long time. And so when you see what's happening, like you said, it's pulled back the covers just on, uh, on America because so many people are being exposed right now for who they are. You know, everybody, you get all these sympathy calls from white people right now. Like, where were you before? And so, again, this shows the fabric of America and it's exposing everybody for who they really are. And it don't matter. A lot of times when something happens, everybody want to go, okay, was he white or black? Then they want to go, what, what political party is it? Well, you know what? It's just all of the above right now. It's white, and it ain't got no political party associated with it. Because even these liberal Democrats, like the woman in New York City, who called the police for she was good to call the police on that man for bird watching, and then you got the extreme right. So it's all of them, and where we are in the middle, trying to figure it all out. Um, so, for instance, uh, I'm going to pull this up in just a second here. Rob, here's a perfect example. Uh, that was a story that was on social media. Uh, and uh, Billy Bush of Extra tweeted this. Extras Billy Bush and Nate Burleson talk George Floyd protest and change. Sean Robinson then fires back. Good morning, Billy Bush. I appreciate you being an ally now. But if you want to talk about the pain, hashtag white privilege, causes African-Americans, you should probably also talk to the black woman who sat next to you on the set of Access Hollywood for years. Ooh. Well, that's a, ooh, it's a mic drop moment. Sean Robinson, this. wow. Yeah, <laughs> we have a uh, serious pandemic in this country, and, and it allows people to be socially distant. It allows them to be able to be hit in their places and, and, and not necessarily be affected, and it seems invisible to them. And of course, I'm not talking about COVID-19. Racism is the pandemic in this country. Indeed. And privilege is, the, privilege is the ability to social distance, which most white people can do. So this is what we need white people to do. Look, I, I'm, I'm happy for the statements. Uh, that's just one, that's the bottom floor. That's just, that's just saying, okay, you acknowledge, you can see, fine. Now we need change behavior. We need responsible white people to check other white people. And we need and we need folks to be on the front line because we can't do it by ourselves anymore. We can't just say, okay, mm -hmm. black people is up to you to Explain this to us. What else do we have to explain? Everybody saw George Floyd. Everybody saw Breonna Taylor. This has been, everybody saw Ahmaud Aubrey. This, is, this, goal, this has been going on every day. It's not getting worse. It's getting exposed. We need uh -huh. others in, in America to do something about it and not just rely on us. Yeah. Mm. I mean, that's true. And I would add just yeah. to that, Roland, that even, even though that video showed nine minutes 
of this officer on, on, on Floyd's neck. There are still so many white people who are trying to justify what took place. And it's like, and those are the people, they just, they just don't get it, they don't understand. And it's dangerous, man. And those are some of the ones that are on these police departments who have got these, 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 all of these, uh, who have gotten in trouble before. And so these people, it, you can't wait for a second chance. That's yeah. why there needs to be intervention at these FOPs and these, and these unions, man, because they're the ones who are standing behind these guys and letting them go on and continue but, to exist one incident but, 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 after another. But I'll say it's also deeper than that. You got, you got, you got Fox News out there and folks out there that are giving people that that need some reason to justify what happened. Then they then they paint a story like, oh, there's just looters out there, or George Floyd had well had a had a criminal record. That's what they try to yeah. focus on, versus the yeah. life and humanity of the person. Uh, so like we we have a media problem too because you know particularly with Fox News, I'm just saying with that you, you it allows people to have the shortcut in their mind, their get out of their get out of jail free card to okay. Yeah, he deserved it some way or another. And so we have to also check how we view news, how we're getting news, and have people challenge themselves. So going back to what I said earlier, we need white people to get more uncomfortable because it's, it's comfortable to go back into your narrative and believe that, uh, you know, I'm a good person, I'm not racist, I would never do that. That's not the point. We're not saying you're going to kill somebody like George Floyd. The problem is there's an environment that let that happen. And that happened because right. not enough good people stepped up because there was too much indifference. That's the issue. Well, and I'll give a perfect example. Um, uh, here's the uh, pure ignorance of Donald Trump and how he treats black female reporters on full display today at the uh, Rose Garden News Conference. I'd like to sign this bill. It's a very different thing. And by the way, what's happened to our country and what you now see has been happening is the greatest thing that can happen for race relations, for the African-American community, for the Asian-American, for the Hispanic-American community, for women, for everything. What's your plan? Because our country is so strong, and that's what my plan is. We're going to have the strongest economy in the world. We almost are there now. We had the strongest economy anywhere in the world, and now we're going to have an economy that's even stronger. Sir, how, sir, how, how would a better economy? I'd like to Yeah, just to follow up, how would a better economy have protected George Floyd? Sure, I'll ask after. Will you take questions after, sir? Black unemployment went up by one by 0.1 percent. Asian Americans unemployment went up by 0.5 percent. How is that a victory? You are something. How is that a victory? Thank you very much. You are something, Derek. Yeah. What do you want me to say? Whatever you want to say. <laughs> I'm looking at it at some point too, man. You know, we know we know who we're dealing with in the White House, okay? But at some point, I know exactly what that report is, and I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm going. I, I got. I'm, I'm sorry. Gonna you, you gonna leave what? Pipe you haven't left anything. Pipe down and show some respect. No, I don't know what you mean, pipe down and show some respect. She's a White House reporter. She's a White House reporter. Wait a minute, hold She's a White House reporter who gets to ask questions. Can he sign the executive order first? He still didn't answer the question. Can he sign the executive order first? Wait a minute. He signed the executive order and then he still ignored her after he signed it. Does he have to answer her question? You damn right he does. Yes, he does. No, he don't. No, I wouldn't. 
Well, look, I, I, no, hold on. No, no, what's up? No, no Wendy, Wendy, go ahead. Wendy, go ahead. Go ahead. I wouldn't have answered that either. Wendy? Let me tell you something. This behavior is the type of dismissive behavior that Donald Trump does to women, and especially black women. He's done it oh to April Ryan. He's done it to Abby Phillips. He continues to do it to Yamisha. He, he does it all the time. So please believe that he is not just not answer her question, but it's a way for him to exert his, his, his status, his privilege as a white man. He continues to be dismissive. And to answer your question, does he have to answer her question? Yes, he does. No, we are American not. citizens. She no, is a White House not. reporter. And then doubly, 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 hold on, hold he on, said, Derek, Derek, let me wait. sign the order. And then after he signed the order, he still didn't answer I the question. Uh, Rob, Rob, hold on, Rob, Rob, then Derek. Rob, go ahead. Listen, listen, we all know the president is a jackass. If Derek and I agree on that, he's a jackass across the board. I guess that's what he was getting to. Uh, we, I agree on that. The problem is, though, he's also a racist. So, and and, and we can go, we can, we can, we can, we can point to how he talked about protesters that he thought were good protesters, American people, that were bringing AR-15s, yelling and uh, yelling in state capitals, threatening lawmakers. Uh, those were good people. No problem there. And and, and somehow. All the police force, everybody could keep under control. Nobody was killed. Nobody was tear gassed. And then the president gets up and says, "We need when there's looting, we need to shoot." And the looting starts. The shooting starts. He clears protesters. I, I, I already know we're going to talk about this later, but he clears protesters out of the way so he can do a fake photo op to put the Bible up. I mean, we, we have lots of examples of how he's dehumanized people. He's a horrible person and a horrible president. And 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 his interaction with that reporter is just an example of how immature he is. Most presidents, look. Reporters can be difficult, they can be annoying, but your job as, as the president is supposed to be to answer questions, to deal with it, and to rise above the fray. He has no ability okay. to do it. He's a poor, horrible, narcissistic, racist leader. End of paragraph, end of sentence. Uh, Derek, go ahead. No, I, I agree with everything you just said, but he didn't have to answer a question. And that's, that's all I have to say with it. He, doesn't, he did not have to answer a question. And he dealt with this media. He showed, I think, for, for real... He's shown more patience than any other president has. Bullshit. Bullshit. Okay. That's, that's utter bullshit. Opinion. And that's your bullshit I mean, opinion this too, man bro. has tacked people. You <laughs> can't opinion. even... First of all, President Barack Obama, President George W. Bush, President okay. Bill Clinton, they actually show far more respect for media than Mr. Fake, than Mr. Fake News. No, that's, that's not my true. opinion. That's fact. This man, no opinion, this this man, like this man, this man is an ingrate. This man is a despicable, evil human being who's nasty, who lies, who cannot stand being held accountable. They all do. Yeah, okay. Not they like all. this guy. Yeah, okay. That's a damn lie. All right, y'all. All. all right, y'all. The NFL players uh, uh, stood up and released this video today, and where they weighed in on what's happening with George Floyd and the need to protest. It's been 10 days since George Floyd was brutally murdered. How many times do we need to ask you to listen to your players? What will it take for one of us to be murdered by police brutality? What if I was George Floyd? If I was George Floyd? What if I was George Floyd? 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 I am George Floyd. I am. Breonna Taylor. I am Ahmaud Arbery. I am Eric Gardner. I am McCormick I am Tamir Rice. I am Trayvon Martin. I am Walter Scott. I am Michael Brown Jr. I am Samuel Du Bois. I am Frank Smart. I'm Philip White. I am Jordan Baker. 
We will not be silenced. We assert our right to peacefully protest. It shouldn't take this long to admit. So, on behalf of the National Football League, this is what we, the players, would like to hear you state. We, the National Football League, condemn racism and the systematic oppression of black people. We, the National Football League, admit wrong and silencing our players from peacefully protesting. We, the National Football League, believe black lives matter. 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 Well, after a lot of criticism because the NFL did not immediately share that video, they finally did. And NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell just released this video. It came in my mailbox. Watch. It has been a difficult time for our country, in particular, black people in our country. First, my condolences to the families of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, and all the families who have endured police brutality. We, the National Football League, condemn racism and the systematic oppression of black people. We, the National Football League, admit we were wrong for not listening to NFL players earlier and encourage all to speak out and peacefully protest. We, the National Football League, believe black lives matter. I personally protest with you and want to be part of the much needed change in this country. Without black players, there would be no National Football League. And the protests around the country are emblematic of the centuries of silence, inequality, and oppression of black players, coaches, fans, and staff. We are listening. I am listening. And I will be reaching out to players who have raised their voices and others on how we can improve and go forward for a better and more united NFL family. Oh, that was special. Kaepernick still is being white ball, Wendy. So this is my thing with the National Football League. You guys are racist. And... The fact that Roger Goodell comes out and releases this statement, great. Thank you for doing it. But my issue is I want to see Colin Kaepernick on the team because Colin Kaepernick was peacefully protesting. He didn't bother anybody. He just got on the field and took a knee. They blackballed him. So how do we expect for the NFL to hold true to their word if they're saying that they respect peaceful protests when what they have shown us is that they do not. Instead, they align with the notions of white supremacist ideology because when people do try to protest peacefully, they get blackballed. So it sounds great, makes for good optics, but don't tell me what you're going to do. Show me what you're going to do. I agree. I would just add to I that. Uh, I, I would say it shows the power, though, of, uh, of of what we have when we stand up, when we fight. And no, it's not enough, but had we just rewind a year ago and you've seen Roger Goodell saying Black Lives Matter, for some reason in America, saying that is controversial just to say Black Lives Matter. Right. And so the, the, he said that, and that will piss off a lot of people who are so-called NFL fans who just want to see us shut up and dribble, just throw a ball, whatever you want to say. Um, so I, I want to acknowledge that he said it. And now I, I want to show the players, and I want to talk to the players again, pressure him to do more. You have the power, not them. 
as he said, and he was right, without black players, nobody's watching the NFL. You don't have an NFL. There's nothing there. So recognize and your power back. and continue to use it. Well, what Wendy said, okay, the NFL, bottom line, is racist. Hands down. And, and to me, the NFL is going backwards in terms of race relations because we have less black coaches now than we had two, three years ago. So who do we blame for that? Mm. All those Republican uh, uh, in voting and funding uh, owners? I, I would say that, that's all you can vote. That, that, that would be the bottom line. But I'm not going. I'm not going to say that they're all Republican owners. I'm not going to say that they are because okay, okay. okay. I'm, now I'm you sorry. know everybody. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm too. sorry. Out of the 32 NFL owners, what 31? I don't know. I don't know. Well, you could be right. You could be. It could be all 32 of them. But the bottom well, line I'm gonna is, defend, I'm going to defend you, Derek, a little bit because we have agreement. We've gone backwards. We've gone backwards. Yeah, uh, Derek. Derek, I actually do uh, agree about this. Like racism sees no boundary. It is bipartisan in of its course. nature now. I mean, so, like, yeah. if you look, we, we can go to the West Coast, take all of those high-tech companies, super liberal, go see what the diversity is on their board, go see what their inclusion is. You're going to see it's going to look just like it does on the East Coast. It looks no different from the South. They, can, they, can talk, they talk different. Everybody's nicer to you. But when you look at how things are done, there's not that much of a change. So, oh yeah. Look, l listen. So th this this is what I want to see. This is what I talked about today. Look, uh, I don't want my humanity to be a partisan issue, and right now it is. And the right tends to is, use bro. it more, yep. and the left just tends to not speak up enough. So I want to end it. I, I want to have a bipartisan agreement where our humanity is respected across the board, and this stops happening. Well, guess what? That's right. Uh, that's that, right, that, that, First of all, that's not the case when you have a Republican who's standing in the way of the anti-lynching bill. That's not the case mm. when you have Republican senators who say nothing about the absolute uh, uh, abhorrent behavior of Donald Trump when it comes to these federal troops. It says nothing about when these Republicans stand around and say nothing. And when, when you look at how this man is disrespecting the military, how he pimps them at his disposal, but then trashes folks like General Mattis or General Kelly or anybody else when he gets upset. And so I will call out Republicans and Democrats, but here's what I do know. Those who are in power right now aren't doing their jobs. Speaking, speaking, speaking of the anti-lynching bill, uh, Senator Kamala Harris, Senator Cory Booker went off on the floor of the United States Senate yesterday as Kentucky Senator Rand Paul stands in the way of passing an, uh, an anti-lynching bill. Watch this. The idea that we would not be taking the issue of lynching seriously is an insult. An insult to Senator Booker, to Senator Tim Scott, and myself, and all of the senators, past and present, who have understood this is part of the great stain of America's history, to suggest that anything short of pulverizing someone so much that the casket would otherwise be closed except for the heroism and courage of Emmett Till's mother, to suggest that lynching would only be a lynching if someone's heart was pulled out and produced and displayed to someone else is ridiculous. And on this day, the day of George Floyd's funeral, on this day, a day that should be a day of national mourning, Mr. President, in 2018, the Senate unanimously passed bipartisan anti-lynching legislation which I proudly introduced with the only other black members of this body, Senator Cory Booker 
and Senator Tim Scott. It was a historic moment. It marked the first time in the history of our country that federal anti-lynching legislation had been passed by the United States Senate. It passed again by unanimous consent in 2019. Senator Paul is now trying to weaken a bill that was already passed. There's no reason for this. There's no reason for this. Senator Paul's amendment would place a greater burden on victims of lynching than is currently required under federal hate crimes laws. There is no reason for this. There is no reason other than cruel and deliberate obstruction on a day of mourning. Mr. President, in February of 2019, this body did something historic. And I don't mean to be emotional, I'm raw this week. But I, I, I stood here with Kamala and we wept. And we talked about the hundreds of years, over a century, excuse me, of, of effort to pass legislation brought up and defeated time and time again in this body by avowed, avowed segregationists and how proud I was that at a time when the partisanship is high in this country, we, get, we gather together in one voice, 100 senators, to pass this exact same bill because there are good people in this body on both sides. And we were correcting a wrong of history. And nobody in this body needs a lecture on lynching and how horrible it is. Everybody in this body abhors racism and believes that this violence is unjust. There are, there are friends of mine here. Unanimously, we passed that legislation. We made history on this floor. And, and this is why I'm confused. Okay, so here's what I find to be very interesting here, Derek. This is a bill that is sponsored by Senator Kamala Harris, Senator Cory Booker, Senator Tim Scott. It, as, as Senator Harris said, it was previously passed in the Senate. What the House did was the House changed the name. Congressman Bobby Rush wanted Emmett Till's name on this bill. So Senator, Senator, Senator Tim Scott, he tweeted that, well, you know, there are a couple of ways that, uh, I'm going to pull it up here. He said there are a couple of ways that this bill can be addressed. And so this is what he said. I want our anti-lynching bill passed as much as anyone, and I'm disappointed Senator Paul is currently holding it up in the Senate, even though we've already passed it twice the past few years. But let's not forget, there's another route for it to become law. For a year, the House sat on the already passed Senate bill. Then they changed only the name and sent it back to the Senate. Speaker Pelosi can still call up the original Senate anti-lynching bill, vote, and send it to the president to sign. Let's get this done one way or the other. Here's the whole deal, Derek. Mitch McConnell could also just bring it up on the floor. But he won't. Okay. But he won't. So here's well, the deal. What? Okay, so, the, so, it, so if the bill is named... First of all, symbols do matter. Symbolism matters. So if the bill is named after Emmett Till, is that bad? Why not just simply, Mitch McConnell, bring it up on the floor, the hell with Rand Paul, pass it, goes to the president? Well, the same way that you asked that question, why can't you bring back the original bill that everybody agreed on? 
And so I just while I was reading just now, I read what Rand Paul was holding the bill up for, and what he was saying is it's too broadly written. And so I'm wondering what the question of what the lynching is, because as it said in this bill, someone could be literally shoved down, and then you call, oh, he's lynching me. No, that's bullshit. So the, that's bullshit. That's, the, no, 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 that's bullshit. Senator Rand Paul is okay, lying. Senator Rand, Senator Rand, let me explain to you again, Derek, and I'll say it slowly so you can you understand. understand. No, 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 I'm going to say it real slowly. So you can properly <laughs> understand. So allow me to allow me to fully explain it. You are an omega, which is why I must say, say it slowly. And I might I'm a Catholic, so you're and, not I, and, and, and I might need to show pictures. <laughs> I might need to show pictures as well so you can get it. What Congressman Bobby Rush, Congressman Bobby Rush said, I believe the name Emmett Till should be on this. That's what he said. Very good point. All they got to do is pass it. But Senator Rand Paul now is just bringing up all his other stuff, Rob, that ain't got nothing to do with nothing. Yeah. And so he is just trying to make a spectacle. But remember who his daddy is. Yeah, remember did, who did, he did, is. Look, didn't yeah. his daddy, wasn't his daddy also the only one who voted against giving the Congressional Gold Medal to Rosa Parks? I mean, this is what this is what Rand Paul, from my calculation, is doing. He's just signaling to folks, I'm still with you. I don't know when he's up for election, but this, this seems like a pure political stunt. I think it's going to pass. This helps him get in the news, saying he's fighting Kamala Harris. He's fighting Cory Booker. Uh, it's, it's, it's sad oh. that he would use this at this time to do that, but I think all of this is a political stunt. I think it's going to pass. It'll it'll, pro it'll pass with him until under his name. I just think... I, Folks are doing political theater, particularly Rand Paul, because he just wants to be Rand Paul. Rand Paul does this. That's why people don't like him in the Senate, including Republicans, who who who, who will actually tell you that uh, behind closed doors. I mean, they won't tell that out loud, but behind closed doors, most of them will tell you they don't like him. And, and look, look, Wendy, it's real simple. How about, how about Wendy? Theater, Wendy, right how about Senator Tim? <laughs> how about Senator Tim Scott show some guts and say, Mitch McConnell, bring the bill to floor. the floor. Absolutely. I, I think that, you know... Wendy, go ahead. Wendy, go ahead. No, I, I, I think that, again, I think it's political theater. I think that that's what's going on here. You see Rand Paul trying to slow this up because that's really the only attention he gets is when he does stuff like this to exactly. get his name in the paper. But I find it so sad that it's taken 64 years for us to get here. Like, what is not common sense about lynching being an issue? Like, no one should be against this. But, you know, it brings me to what else was news in this week where Donald Trump had talked about he wants to make an Antifa um, a domestic terrorist. But the Ku Klux Klan does not classify as domestic terrorist. So I just don't understand this backwardsness, that's not a word, I just made it up, that's going on in this country where we are dragging our feet for issues of equality. We're dragging our feet for issues of equity. This bill needs to pass. It's very simple. And if anybody has any wits about them, they need to just simply say, this needs to go to the floor and let us stop using the issue of race to create political theater, but rather use this bill to show unity in Congress that we will not tolerate racism in America any longer. Um... Well, the bill right now, right now is lynching. Right now, everybody in America is saying that Floyd, he was lynched, he was lynched, he was lynched. Well, he wasn't lynched. He was actually murdered. 
And so when we start talking about this lynching bill... Actually, Derek, you know lynching and yeah. murder, both, you're still dead. Uh, <laughs> no, I didn't know that. My I mean, dumb ass didn't know that. Well, I mean, I mean you sound a little... You sound a little confused there. I'm just, just okay. making sure. Come on, man. Come on, man. But, but I, on, I, I think when you look at this... We shouldn't be using it for political theater, but let me say this. The more important thing we need to do, get this passed. It's more historic for anything yeah. because what we really need to do is focus on real reforms, particularly at the state level, uh, with policing. We need to fo focus on reforming mass incarceration, which needs to happen. Uh, these are things that can and should happen. So I, I do want to make sure that folks get past this. We're going to get past this. The, the real fight is going to come. When we really fight for these, uh, when, when, when we fight for these overhaul, overall protections that we need, and I, uh, we and, need to get the Fourth I, Amendment back as and, well. And I can tell you who's going to be standing in the way of all of that. Oh, of course, the President of the United States and, and, all, and most of the Republican Party. and all those elephants. All right, y'all, got to go to a break. When we come back, okay. when we come back, I'm going to explain to you why it's important to call out evil, grifting folks like Candace Owens. That's next on Roller Martin Unfiltered. The forgotten men and women of our country will be forgotten no longer. We are one nation, and their pain is our pain. President Trump tweeting, when the looting starts, the shooting starts. Their dreams are our dreams. Unemployment rate passed 40 million. Largest unemployment rate since the Depression era. When you guys put somebody in the car, I said, please don't be too nice. I will fight for you with every breath in my body. There's a chance that it won't spread. Within a couple of days, it's going to be down to close to zero. This American carnage stops right here and stops right now. I'll play that for you, Derek. Are you one of those Republicans against Trump? You need to be worried about your next mayor or your next city council member. That's who you need to be worried about. Well, actually, you can worry. Actually, you can actually, play that for yourself. No, actually, you can worry about. <laughs> you can actually worry about two or three things at the same time. Okay. I'm just checking. Okay. Well, you didn't play that for me. I'm just checking. Just checking. Hashtag fire Trump in November. All right, folks, Guns and Roses Boutique, a popular Dallas black-owned fashion retailer, was one of the many small businesses vandalized and destroyed following the protests in Dallas that took place downtown in the city's deep Ellen district. The owner is Princess Pope. She has owned and operated Guns and Roses for seven years as one of the only black-owned businesses on her street. As a result of the violence, uh, Guns N' Roses was t wiped of all inventory and completely destroyed. She joins us right now. Princess, glad to have you on the show. And so, um, how have folks responded there? Uh, I know there are a lot of other GoFundMe efforts out there. In Atlanta, Atlanta Falcons quarterback Matt Ryan contributed $500,000 to raise a total of $2 million uh, to help black community and black businesses there. How has Dallas responded in helping you? The support has been truly amazing. And I just want to first say thank you for having me on your show today. Um, you are one of the supporters. Um, just highlighting the story and letting people know what's going on. Um, my main goal is to 
focus on the actual problem, though. So I know that I'm probably a product of what's going on right now, but um, police brutality is actually the real issue, and we kind of got caught up in the hoopla, it, if you will. That's interesting because there was a guy in Minneapolis. He owned a restaurant, and he posted uh, a statement on Facebook, and he said, if it takes my restaurant being destroyed to end mm -hmm. police violence, I'm fine with it. A lot of people were shocked and stunned. And they might be shocked and stunned to listen to what you just said, that you, you're not on here pissed off and angry and upset that your business was destroyed and inventory was taken, that you, st that, that, that you still, still are about, yo, this is about police violence. This is about police brutality. Yes. Um, I don't want to focus on the looters. My my goal also, I feel like God chose me. I'm an entrepreneur at heart. I have an entrepreneur spirit. I've been an entrepreneur all my life, um, come from a family of entrepreneurs. So my goal is to teach younger people or older people how to overcome in this type of situation. And so that's where we are now in the re rebuilding phase. So, um, yeah, I just want to teach people that things will come. Problems will happen, but you have to overcome those problems. So exactly how do you do it? That's where we are right now. Uh, there are a number of other business owners all across the country who have been impacted in cities. Uh, Black-owned businesses in Atlanta, Minneapolis, I mean, Chicago. We can go down the line. Uh, and uh, the Philadelphia newspaper, they actually, the Philadelphia Inquirer posted a story called Building, Matter, Building Matters 2. Pissed off, mm. pissed off black staffers who walked out of the newsroom in protest, who didn't show up to work the next day. And so what do you make of when you listen to Fox News and the other people, and they're focused on buildings and buildings and buildings and buildings, and then many of them uh, I would say, are trying to pimp black-owned business owners uh, by saying, I mean, look at them. Their, their hard work of their business was destroyed, but they're also ignoring what set all of this off, and that is the cops murdering George Floyd. Exactly. Um, I, I agree with it. I stand with them. I mean, the, and, and what's happening is, is the looters are coming behind the protesters. So I stand with the protesters. We have a problem with this nation, and that's um, just, just police brutality, right, on black lives. So I don't want the looters to get caught up in, in the, the, what we're focusing on now. And that's why I feel like, well, let's not focus on this small problem, right, because we have a bigger problem, and that is police brutality on all black lives. So what is your plan, though? I mean, are you planning to... Because, um, you look, you put your money into the store. Are you planning to... Um, reopen? Uh, are folks there raising money to help you? What's happening in that case? Yes, folks are raising money to help me. They are calling. They are lending a hand. Um, we do have a GoFundMe page as well. The, the support has been amazing. What's, the, uh, actually, what, what, what's the GoFundMe page? What is it? Um, it's Rebuild Guns N' Roses Boutique. Got we it. can send you a link on that. Yeah, I'll search. Um, I'll search it. Keep talking. I'll search for it. Yes. So it's Rebuild Guns N' Roses Boutique. As you can see, we've been in business for eight years, right in the heart of downtown Dallas. When I first went to the store that night, I was at dinner and um, my alarm went off. And when I went to go see the store, when I pulled up at the store, I, I felt like something had happened. And I pulled up at the store and my initial response is, look at all my hard work. I put everything into my business. Um, I was the only employee 
for a whole full year. So you could just imagine. So that first night, Saturday morning at 1 o'clock a.m., I, I, I was just sad. I, I felt violated. I felt like somebody had broken to my home. I'm at my business more than I am at home. So, yeah, it, it was really heartfelt. But that next day, I got a chance to reflect. And, and, and look at the bigger picture. And I do feel like God chose me to tell this story. So I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the support. I am grateful to um, be able to speak on your platform today and talk to other entrepreneurs and let them know the highs and the lows of business. You know, this is just a low. We'll be back. We'll be back bigger, better, and bolder than before. And uh, go to my iPad, please. We have the uh, page up. And so in just six days, there was a $100,000 goal. And in just six days, 4,000 donors have contributed $117,846. Praise God. Well, Princess, we certainly appreciate it. Thanks a bunch, and good luck uh, in rebuilding your store. And keep doing your great things that you do for the community. I've watched you for a number of years, and I just want to say thank you, Mr. Martin, for having me on your show today. You can call me Roland. Mr. Martin, my daddy. I'm Roland. I appreciate it. So when I come back to Dallas, when I come back to Dallas and visit my parents, uh, I'll uh, swing by your place. Please do. Have a blessed day. All right. Thanks a bunch. I appreciate it. All right, folks, let's talk about uh, something here. Yesterday, yesterday, Vice President Mike Pence held a discussion at the White House with a group of African-Americans about the unrest that's been going on in the country. Do y'all have the photo? Y'all have the photo? Y'all show the photo? So you, you see in this photo here, uh, I see K. Cole James. I think I see Angela Saylor. Uh, I see Pastor A.R. Bernard. Uh, I see Elroy Saylor. Uh, and I don't uh, recognize a couple other folks. Then I also see Candace Owens. Hmm. Now, I had somebody, a fellow journalist, who emailed me yesterday. And she said, you know, Roland, stop giving her attention. We should not even mention her name. We should not even bring it up. And I respectfully disagree. The reason I disagree is because of that photo. When you have somebody who is so evil and destructive in their thoughts and in their comments and the things that they say about African-Americans. And then they get called into a meeting with the vice president of the United States when they have stood next to the president of the United States, when they have been in meetings with the president of the United States. I don't think for a second that we can somehow be silent and ignore that level of hate. Yesterday, this hateful woman posted this on Facebook. I um, want to come out and say uh, that I do not support George Floyd and the media depiction no, no. of him as a martyr for black America. All right. So that was a 17-minute video, I think. That's the longest y'all pull. Actually, I wanted something longer. But that's fine. So in this video, she trashes George Floyd. She talks about his criminal history. He's not a martyr. She does say that I think the family, I want the family to get justice. But she goes on to trash him. Then you got Brandon Tatum. I talked about that thuggish uh, conservative who goes out there and he was same thing. He's posting the police reports of George Floyd uh, online. And the thing that's important to understand is that there are no perfect 
victims. There are no individuals with pristine resumes. It's not always the case. Jonathan Farrell played football at Florida A&M, shot and killed by a cop in Charlotte. Cop got off scot-free. Jonathan was a hard worker, good brother. He's a gospel singer in Florida. Pulled to the side of the road. Cop in an unmarked van approached him, ends up shooting him dead. That cop was convicted. I can go on and on and on. But when people like Candace Owens set out to be so destructive against African Americans, what they're actually doing is they're playing to white supremacy. See, what you have to understand is this here. There are white folks in America who love nothing more than to find a black person who would say some of the most evil and vile things about other black people. Because, see, then they get to speak to black people through that black person. Oh, yes, over the years, we've seen the grifters. We've seen the folks like Candace Owens, folks like Larry Elder, folks like Jesse Lee Peterson. And we could go on and on and on. Well, they trot them out to trash and attack black people and hold themselves up to be somehow these esteemed African-Americans. This is the same Can Candace Owens who used the NAACP to get a settlement from her school district over the issue of race. But the same one now who would trash the very NAACP who stood there for her. See, I called them out because they deserve to be called out. See, if I'm going to call out Tucker Carlson and Laura Ingram and Senator Rand Paul, and I'm going to call out all these other people, folks, I'm, I'm going to also call out the black folks because everybody that's your skin folk ain't your kin folk. And do understand, there's a reason why the Candace Owens of the world and the Brandon Tatums of the world. It's a reason why they are afraid to come here. It's a, it's a reason why they are afraid when they had a little Blexit conference where our credential had gotten approved, but they then rescinded it. Because she, when we were sitting out in front of the White House and Candace saw me and threw an evil look at me and what are you doing here? And I said, I'm sorry, I cover black stuff. This is this not a black event? And then she stood there in her little gray flannel outfit and she was angry. See, you called me an Uncle Tom and that's why I blocked you. First of all, she's a lie. See, I don't allow people to call black Republicans or black conservatives Uncle Toms or Coons or sellouts or Oreos. I don't allow it. So she was lying. And I told her little minion who running behind her, he said, well, we have the evidence. I said, bring me the evidence. Y'all, we're still waiting. The reason you must always, at every point, call liars out like Candace Owens, the reason you must call out hateful, evil people who say the things that she does about black folks is because somebody else might be listening to them. That's the reason why I don't let people come on this show and lie. Because, see, if you're watching this show and somebody lies on this show, you will then go, 
Well, Roland didn't correct them, so what they said must be true. No, I don't allow it. And so, I will always call out trifling folks like Candace Owens. And if I see them in person, I'll look them dead in the eye. Just like I did Charlie Kirk, who said, oh, no, we're debate one day, but I got to go ask Candace first. See, y'all got to understand something. When you read scripture, and you remember when uh, evil would lose their mind and start squealing and hollering when good folk walk by? See, light and darkness do not go together. Me, I'm a big-ass spotlight against the darkness of folks like Candace Owens and Brandon Tatum. I am more than willing to debate any of them. I had Dinesh D'Souza right here. I welcome any of them to the table. Matter of fact, I'll go to their table. Pick where you want to debate. Pick a day, pick a time, pick a location, and I'll be there. Matter of fact, y'all can pack the place with all your supporters. I'll slay each one of them the entire night. But we as black folks who understand what's moral and just can never be silent when evil is in our midst and even when they look like one of us. Any thoughts, Wendy, Rob, or Derek? Mr. Martin, well, I'll say thank you, Mr. Martin, for allowing me to be on your show. <laughs> <laughs> Wendy! Yeah. So, you know, I, I, find, I find the whole phenomenon of Candace Owens to be interesting because it's not just her making these comments, it's what she represents. I have been on Fox News several times and I have called her out and said, I am willing to debate you because she never goes into an argument or a conversation without being checked, so to speak. And I think that that's really important. And I'm glad that you're saying her name because we need to know that she's pandering and lies. And the thing with Candace Owens I think is so important that we all need to know is that she is a pawn. She is being used yeah. as a pawn in the chess game that is politics and the chess game that is issues of race in this country. So mm -hmm. I understand that people need to get their coin. I get it. But if you are selling your soul to secure a bag, then you need to really check yourself because you're selling out the very people who, as Roland mentioned, saved you when you needed us. So don't expect when these white people turn their back on you because they will. They will. It's only a matter of time. They will do you the same way they did Diamond and Silk. When they're done using and abusing you, they're going to throw you to the trash. Do not come to us to save you. Period. Rob? I'm done. Yeah, well, I mean, you guys covered it. Covered it. I'll just say that, you know, she clearly doesn't love herself. Uh, she doesn't love black people. And she will do anything to make money, and she'll do anything and say anything. She, she, she figures out What's the furthest I can go, uh, mm. the most right-wing, the most self-hating I can go, and then take that position and go even further? Because that's her business model. Her business model is to mm -hmm. say outrageous things, do outrageous things, 
and I agree a little bit with what the with the person that that that, that said we shouldn't talk about her because I, I was I was debating that like we're giving her we are giving her a platform. She likes this. Yeah. She likes the fact that she can go and talk to Fox News and say, look, Roland Martin talks bad about me. Like at the end of the day, she is nothing. She has she she has her her one skill, and it's a great. She's good at it. Is marketing herself and figuring out how to get in front of the cameras yeah. to say things yeah. that can resonate to a base she's looking to uh, the racist base that she's looking to get. Uh, inflamed and or to validate their opinions. You know, she wants to make them say it's okay for you not to see George Floyd as a human. That's why it's go, dangerous. Uh, That's why it's dangerous. Derek, final comment. Go. I, I know I was going to say I agree with everything you guys said, and, and it frustrates me because, you know, I'm in I'm, I'm in places where I hear people like, well, did you see what Candace Owens said? Did you did you see what Candace Owens wrote? And it's like it it bothers the hell out of me because. If you have to look at her and that other dude that you just, I ain't gonna call his name out, but if you look at them two, they're the exact reasons why, well, they're, they are two of the reasons why black people in law with this president would never ever even consider the Republican Party. And so she is, it, it, sometimes, with this, what she said about Floyd, and that's a disgrace. And, and it shines, uh, puts a whole different, it just dampens everything that we're working for right now during this movement. And it, it just ain't right, man. And I'm, I'm mad that we even gave her this much time. Nah, see, the reason, the, reason, the reason I did it again is because when you get called to sit at the table of power, you can, you can wreak havoc. Mm. And, and there may be a young African-American, there may be a white person, a Hispanic person, who hears her and goes, oh, my God, she's making so much sense. Mm -hmm. But if there's no counter to that, mm -hmm. then we allow it to happen. But, 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 the, but, the, but the problem is, the, uh, Roland, that people are not going to hear the counter because we can go no, throughout Rob, how Rob, social Rob, media Rob, works. Rob, so, Rob, 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 that ain't true. Here's no, what, here's what I'm saying. But wait, wait, just give me a second. Because social media will work where it can just go echo chamber. So the issue is, like, people will hear her, they will hear Candace Owens, and they're not going to hear you because... Not true. You're not, you're not who they want to no, hear. No, 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 like, no, no, so... Rob, 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 you're missing it. This is what you're missing. When they type her name into YouTube and the algorithm, yes. my video will come up. See, trust me, I also know how this game works. Yeah. So what happens is, the part of the reason in doing this is, and I'm just using an example. When Snoop Dogg did a video and he took a, he, he criticized Roots, the remake of Roots. I took exception to what he had to say. And when I typed in Snoop Dogg and Roots in Google, I saw how his comments went global. I then came back and did a commentary against what Snoop Dogg said. Guess what happened to that commentary? It went global. global. Now, yeah. Snoop fired back at me. I ain't need to fire back again. He, he and I eventually talked. Yeah. We passed it up. But I did it because had I not done it, there yeah. would have never been a counter to what he had to say. So, sure, she's got two million on Facebook and, you know, a million on uh, Twitter or whatever, but here's the piece. I got a million on Facebook. I got 550,000 on Twitter. Yeah. 481,000 on Instagram, 512,000 on, on, on YouTube. And so the point I'm making is this here. You cannot let something, you can't let evil or lies stand alone. See, that's what the media did with Donald Trump. What the media, well, what mainstream media did was, mainstream media 
would not check Donald Trump in the moment. Oh, right. if he wins, you know, the presidency... But Donald Trump was running for president, though. Like, so you're making the point that... I, I see it as a it, great it, strategic it's point. Anybody. It's anybody. No, no, it's anybody. It's anybody. Rob, you're a talk show host. What, right. No, what, no, I get it. When I, I had I my talk too, show... I the same thing, but what I'm trying to say is, I guess, it's just a point of frustration that she has so much reach... And she's reaching, and she's, oh, and she's no, giving no, so no. much ignorance and hate. No, 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 no. That's not, see, I ain't frustrated by that. Because here's, yeah. I, mean, I already told you what the deal is. There right. are white people. First of all, Candace Fowles ain't no, black. No, right. There are white people who Very love true. the Candace Owens because yeah. she gets to say stuff they can't. That's correct. So that's why they support her. She's seeing the marketplace, yeah. That's what it is. Right. She's and, the puppet. And... And when the they, willing when, puppet, when the they willing and let me tell you something, let me tell you something, okay? You saw a little photo there uh, of, of, of Pence. I know A.R. Bernard and, and K. Cole James and Angela Saylor and Elroy Saylor. I've had them all on the show. Guess what? They, they ain't calling them for certain stuff. They not calling Derek. They not calling... Because, see, there's a segment of the Republican Party who adores Diamond and Silk. They love Candace Owens. They love Brandon Tatum because they, they love Terrence Williams. They get to sit back and watch the minstrel show. Remember, which is the problem, minstrel, which is the problem with minstrel the shows party. had fans. Which is the problem with the Republican Party, which, you know, they, 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 they allow and they, they encourage and they, you know, it used to be a dog whistle with this president is a horn to racist, is a bullhorn. He's really, really clear, and so that is the problem. You know, if, if the Republican Party wants to actually uh, attract uh, voters of color, right now they don't. Their goal right now is to figure out ways to keep uh, black voters and other voters from voting, and just appeal to the most extreme to racism. That has uh, to be drowned out. It, and I hope for the day. I hope for the day when the Republican Party does that. And we can take my humanity off the table. It's not a political issue, is what I bottom, said, period. Bottom, bottom line, Derek, you, do, you never let evil stand by itself. It always has to be countered. Mm -hmm. And even if you think you're whistling in the wind, trust me, somebody will hear that whistle. That's important. Agreed. All right, y'all, I got to go to a break. Uh, we come back. Uh, I was going to skip this and save it for Monday. But I got a couple of words for Laura Ingram. That's next on Roller Martin Unfiltered. You want to support Roller Martin Unfiltered? Be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real as Roller Martin Unfiltered. Support the Roller Martin Unfiltered daily digital show by going to rollermartinunfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing 50 bucks each for the whole year. You can make this possible. RollerMartinUnfiltered.com. All right, folks, uh, we want to thank the folks with Seek.com, C-E-E-K.com, for partnering with us. This is uh, Mary Spio is the creator, the innovator, uh, the founder of this company. Uh, she, of course, designed these three, these 4D, 360-degree headphones that are absolutely amazing. We've got a partnership with them, folks. If you purchase these headphones, uh, you can use the promo code RMVIP2020, RMVIP2020, or simply go to Seek.com, that's C-E-E-K.com, be sure to check it out. We thank them for partnering with us. All right, folks. A lot of athletes talking this week. Laura Ingram. Remember when she had something to say about 
LeBron and KD, but then all of a sudden this week, she's all gung-ho about Drew Brees. Watch. And now an update on a segment we brought you last night. I expressed concern that New Orleans Saints quarterback Drew Brees was being subjected to withering criticism for answering a question about what NFL protests might look like next season. All right, that's the response. I need the original video. Play that one, please. It's always unwise to seek political advice from someone who gets paid $100 million a year to bounce a ball. Oh, and LeBron and Kevin, you're great players, but no one voted for you. Millions elected Trump to be their coach. So keep the political commentary to yourself, or as someone once said, shut up and dribble. Well, he's allowed to have his view about what kneeling and the flag means to him. I mean, he's a person. He has some worth, I would imagine. I mean, this is beyond football, though. This is totalitarian, totalitarian conduct. This mm -hmm. is Stalinist. And by the way, on the streets of New Orleans, we're looking at live pictures. They're yep. shouting F Drew Brees. Wow. That's what, that's that's what this moment has done to the beautiful team this spirit is, of the New Orleans This Saints. is a great, he's a great Christian man. He's oh, he's a great Christian man. Don't you just love white fragility? How they can trash LeBron James and Kevin Durant for criticizing Trump and speaking about political issues and say, shut up and just dribble. But then they never say, Drew, just shut up and throw. See, there's somebody who might say again, just like the other child. Oh, just ignore them. Not when you look at their ratings. You must always call a hypocrite out when you see one, and that's exactly who Laura Ingram is. And then, of course, she did this little video where she responded, and I'm not going to play it. We played a little bit earlier, but I'm not going to play it, where she's like, well, we, we need to have more dialogue. Really? But, but, but Laura, you and your staff, y'all are scared to debate a person like me. Y'all are scared to have the dialogue. Oh, y'all got my number. The CEO of Fox News has my number and email. But it's amazing how y'all won't call certain people. See, I think the reason y'all won't call certain people is because you're afraid that your largely white audience might actually begin to hear the truth. The fact of the matter is, there are white folks in this country who have never liked black athletes standing up. They despised Muhammad Ali. Oh, go, go, go back and look at some of the columns. You see sportscaster Brent Musburger? Oh, go back and read the comments that he had to say about John Carlos and Tommy Smith after they protested in 1968 in Mexico City. And he still refuses to apologize for those comments. Just look at the hateful comments you hear on sports talk radio and in newspaper columns about black athletes today who are standing up and using their voice in fighting. Oh, I know we're now living in this whole different world where everybody, all the little networks, everybody's releasing their little statements and it's all, all goody-goody. No, 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 no. But go back 10, 15, 20 years. And that was not the case. See, the real issue for people like Laura Ingram is that when you got black folks with money, they don't give a damn what you think. LeBron James could buy a Laura Ingram. So could Kevin Durant. That's why they can't stand when you become an uppity black and you use your dollars to help the community. See, they know the power of LeBron James. They simply fear 
when he uses it. Y'all do remember that scene in the movie Malcolm X, which I just love, when my man Malcolm, played by Denzel, raises his hand and then just sort of points that way. And the fruit of Islam follows, and the white cops say that's just too much power for one man to have. That ain't actually what he said in real life. In real life, he said, that's too much power for one nigga to have. What you're dealing with is, you're dealing with a country that can't handle black power, that can't handle it when you got black men who are not afraid to use their power. When they start having 60 and 70 and 80 million followers on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, they begin to marshal those resources. You go to Quibi and you watch the documentary Blackballed. Documentary about Donald Sterling. Do you know why the NBA, Adam Silver, had no choice but to move? Because that was about to be a reckoning in the NBA. They literally were about to see black ball players boycott the playoffs unless something was done against Donald Sterling. That's what the Laura Ingrams can't stand. They love it when the Drew Breeses of the world tout the flag, but they don't want to hear a black athlete take a knee. They will ridicule them, condemn them, trash them, call them anti-American because they are speaking the right language to their white viewers. Folks, understand game, recognize game. And I love to see these brothers kicking Drew Brees' ass. Because what they're saying is, we also are the reason you got those yards. You might be able to throw it, but you can't catch it either. But he catching hell right now. And Laura Ingalls of the world can't stand it because, see, we're not going back to the other America. Remember the movie Rising Sun? And that scene when Wesley Snipes was at a valet and the white guy said to him, where's our car? And Wesley said, wrong man, wrong fucking century. That's black athletes today, Laura Ingram. Final comments, Wendy, Derek, and Rob. I, I, I think you, Roland, I think you said it well. I think that you just crystallized everything that everyone is feeling. Uh, the hypocrisy that is Laura Ingram for her to say that LeBron James should shut up and dribble, but then says that B Drew Brees has a right to his opinion. It is hypocrisy. And what I'm loving and what I want us to highlight is the ways in which these athletes, these celebrities, are using their power, their privilege, to move forth the narrative of black excellence. So I, I applaud LeBron James. I applaud Cardi B. I applaud Beyonce. I applaud them for using their platforms because the truth of the matter is white people love to say, we don't see color. They love to use that term, we don't see color. And what these people are saying to them is, no, you're going to see my color. And my color is, I am black. You can't no longer stand behind me and say, I like the Lakers, and therefore I tolerate these black men. Or I like this music, and therefore I tolerate this black woman that is singing these songs. No, you are going to now start to see people saying, you are not only going to be a fan of what I do, but you have to be a fan of who I represent. And who they represent is blackness. And I love it. Derek? Look, um, 
Laura Ingram was out of bounds when she said, shut up and dribble. That, I, I, remember, I, I watched that show. I remember when she said that. I was like, ooh, you shouldn't have said that. But I look at Drew Brees, man, and I read his apology. It was very well written. It seemed like it, was, it came from the heart. It was genuine, that kind of thing. I also look at Drew Brees, man. This dude, on, on, on March 26th, he donated $5 million to Louisiana and pledged to deliver 10 million, excuse me, 10,000 meals a day. And he's done more for that city down there. So it's just to call him out and like, F Drew Brees, F Drew Brees, for his statement. After he apologized, I think, you know, I think that's a bit much. You know, I think that's a bit much on Drew Brees. Nah. He did, I, he did come I, back. He did come back. Hold on, hold on. Can I say something? Real quick, real quick. Real quick, I just think it's so important. Like, you know, even we saw this on Blackout Tuesday, we saw individuals, white people, putting up these black squares. You have to do more than that. People are giving people brownie points because they're this saying that they're allies. The it's not about allyship. We need accomplices in this movement. You this cannot sit by and just be shooting. an ally. You need to be this shoulder to shoulder 26. with us in this movement as an accomplice. If I go this to jail for marching, you go to jail for marching. That's what we need. So do not tell Drew Brees what he's given to Louisiana. When it came time for him to be an accomplice in the movement, he chose not to. So, no, you do not get brownie points for your allyship. Okay. We only need okay. accomplices. Yeah, leadership matters. And look, he's leading a team of mostly black players. He was way out of line. He believed those things he believed. But look, he apologized. So look, now the players should make him do more and use this opportunity. It is a process. So look, they could be an ally. They could be accomplices. We got to get the, we got to get people wherever we can get them, because in order for us to get to where we need to get to, we need more white people on board, too. So we, whatever it takes to get people if they're willing to push him further, get him out there, push him out there further, because for us to move forward, other white people are going to have to convince other white people. Like, black people, we know we know what we've been going through forever. We've been saying it forever. Nobody's believed us. It had to take a man on camera dying, breathing for his last breath. And people say, oh, maybe something's wrong. Something's always been wrong. But we really need to change it this time. All Please. right, folks. Uh, Got to go to a real quick uh, break. First of all, thank you to the panel. Thank you so very much. We come back. Comedian Broderick's in the house. Thank you, Mr. Martin. All right, we next. Back in a moment. <laughs> you want to support Roller Martin Unfiltered? Be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real. as Roller Martin Unfiltered. Support the Roller Martin Unfiltered daily digital show by going to rollermartinunfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing 50 bucks each for the whole year. You can make this possible. RollerMartinUnfiltered.com. All right, y'all. Got to end the week on a good note. Comedian Broderick Rice is in the house. What's up, Doc? Hey, hey, hey. What's going on? All is well. All is well, man. I'm, I'm, I'm hanging in there. You hanging in there? Yes, sir. I can't see you. Don't, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. So it's the way our Skype system works. We can see you. That's all that matters. So, I got, so, brother, what do you make of, of how church has changed and all these folk got to go to church via computer? Hey, let me tell you something. Uh, and first of all, thank you for allowing me to be on your platform. I don't know if you remember. I do. We were at an, we were at an NFL event. I was backstage trying to take a picture with a beautiful woman, and it was too dark. You came along in your ascot, and you showed me 
how to use my uh, my phone, turn on the flashlight, and then take the picture. Right. I, hey, listen, I just want to say thank you. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. No, the Emma Smith, Emma Smith charity event. You were emceeing. Yes, sir, you do. You yeah, do yeah. remember. How you think you got invited? Yeah. Uh, hey, you know, now I know. You gave me your number now that night. Now I know. <laughs> yeah, that's what's up. So, 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 okay. So you always you you do this great impersonations of preachers. How can a how can a preacher really preach via laptop? Well, you know what? I'll tell you one thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you the first part. Everybody don't need to be trying. I think, and I'm not putting that. This is your real talk. There's some minister they they wasn't ready. They wasn't ready. And so now that this moment has come between COVID and uh, the latest atrocity, you know, there, there, watch this. There has been a paradigm shift. <laughs> that, that, see, see, I come from the old school, sir. I come from the old school. So you know what? Many of them are making the adjustment, but then unfortunately, a lot of them going to be left behind because, you know, the way their minds think. Look, man, you know I, what I'm saying? I, I'm not trying to go to church soon because, uh, look, I ain't trying to hug nobody, touch nobody. No, hey, 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 listen. I, I, already told, I said, I wish a preacher would tell me to touch your neighbor. <laughs> and No, 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 no. Now, I'm, I'm going to wait until the Lord showed me his mighty power. Uh-huh. Now, uh, a couple of brothers and sisters might have to drop off, Roland, uh, and then, then after enough of them go home. Because the song said, soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. Let them go see the king and let them work on a vaccine. <laughs> and, uh, and listen, hey, hey, Roland, we need an extra thick vaccine for the black folk. We <laughs> we need an extra thick. Whatever, whatever they create, make it extra thick for us. And then... I go on back. You know, hey, Roland, I can start a mega church right now. All I need is 10 people. Just, <laughs> just 10 people. That's that, listen, listen, I can have five services minister to 50 people over that period. It it is so funny. Roland, let me tell you something. I live in a white neighborhood. Um, and uh not because I'm rich, it's just I was able to work out a deal. Uh, because I was traumatized when I was living in the hood. I grew up in Compton, man. I'm, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. But listen, let me tell you something. Man, I keep up with the white people. See, it's two sets of rules. This is not jokes. It's two sets of rules. One for white people, one for black people. I see white people jaywalking, eight police cars sitting right there. All the police do is just wave at them. If I look like I'm about to stick my foot out in the street at the wrong time, they got the SWAT units in there on me. Roland, I was walking down the street. This is no lie. I was walking down the street in October, and the police pulled up on me because they said that I fit the description of a black man who they was looking for. My attorney was on that particular case and showed me later on who the guy they caught was didn't look like me. The brother was fair-skinned. God made me late at night. Rolling. God made me late at night. Late at night. I'm not mixed with nothing but Negro. I'm all Negro. <laughs> he made me at night. Just before the Lord was getting ready to go to bed, he made me. Now, the, the, the red bone and the high yellow black people, no. He, he made them when he first woke up. 
And it was the first time rolling in 54 years I had experienced what a lot of my brothers go through pretty much on a daily, weekly basis. And I have to tell you, I'm a Christian, I love the Lord, but I have cried, I have cussed, okay? I have, I mean, it's just been a range of emotions because it's so real. And to see that tape of of a black man dying, no, 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 I'm sorry, please forgive me, of a black man being murdered, Roland, it has waken up to a new level the black man and me. I've been putting some posts on my social media, you know, and I'm 55. Uh, It's time for me to come out and say some things and do some things. And I know some people don't like it. I'm not just talking about white people don't like it because a lot of people, white people, they get with it. But it's a lot of black people, unfortunately, you know, who are telling me to pray uh and to seek the Lord (laughs) and let God handle it. And let the Holy Spirit to come and pray in tongues, shakabahunda. You know, but listen, Roland, I don't want to listen. This may sound crazy. I don't want to stand before the Lord and he say, why didn't you say something? Why didn't you do something? Now, you remember in the Bible, Moses killed somebody. Now, Moses was living in the lap of Egyptian luxury, but Moses saw his people being abused. Moses killed somebody. That was he killed an Egyptian because of what that Egyptian was doing to his brother. Right. And so I'm, I'm not I'm not gonna kill nobody, or whatever. But I have more to say. Uh, I'm gonna be doing some live casts and things of that nature because there's something that needs to be said to uh, the global community, but right. there's some things that need to be said to the black Christian community and to the white. Christian community. Well, I said well, something well, the other day, Roland. Well, but if you're going to say something to them, it better be on Zoom, Microsoft Teams, uh, or on Skype, because it ain't going to be in person. I got. Well, I, now, I, why I, would I, you I, say I, that, sir? Because we ain't meeting in person, because coronavirus don't play. I got to well, ask... Right. Yeah, see, I, I, that's I, right. I'm going to go... I got to ask... Hey, this, brother, I, but I, if it get really bad, and if I have to say it, I'm going to just say it like this. Well, I got to I got to ask you this last question before we go. We got to go real quick. People on YouTube saying, why is he wearing glasses with no frame? Why is he wearing frames with no lens? You see, because I'm woke and I can see what's going on better. See, back up off of me. I can see what's going on better. Broderick, what's your cash app? It is cash tag Broderick Rice. No middle initial. Cash tag Broderick Rice. Thank you so much, Roland. I appreciate, I appreciate you, it, brother. Sir. Thanks so much, man. Thank you very much. Yes, yes, sir. All right, folks, we got to go. Uh, check me out Sunday. I'll be on Alley Vell. She at 8, 8, 8 a.m. hour, so check it out. All right, y'all, we got to bounce. Don't forget to support Roland Martin Unfiltered, joining our Brandon Funk fan club. Cash out, dollar sign, RM Unfiltered. We also have paypal.me forward slash rmartinunfiltered. We also have Venmo as well, at sign RM Unfiltered. If you want to send a cashier check, money order, simply send it to 16, New Vision Media, NU, Vision Media, Inc., 1625 K Street, Northwest, Suite 400, Washington, Suite 400, Washington, D.C., 20006. Folks, we always end the show on Friday with our uh, supporters. I'll read the names on Monday. Those folks have given 50 bucks or more. If you get a 50, get 50 bucks or more, you get a personal shout-out from me on the show. Our goal is to get $20,000 fans donating 50 bucks or more to make it possible for us to be completely independent 
and keep speaking truth to power. All right, here's our givers, all of our donors. We're going to scroll in right now. I'll see you guys on Monday. Holla! I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids' playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe Ventilation System exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe Ventilation System. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today.